everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of October 26th through November 2nd, 2016. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Happy for November Ween. And Ben Lemoreau. It's going to be 2017 pretty soon here. Wow, yeah. Much better year for Nintendo, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, we've got a great show for you this week as we open up with a Dreamland segment where we'll gush about everything we want out of this Mario Kart game coming to Nintendo Switch. After that, we're going to have a nice long chat about what the virtual console should be on the Switch and more broadly about Nintendo's legacy games and how they should go about re-releasing all their old stuff from Game & Watch to Wii and then some. Uh, I'd like to remind you all that we'll be taking listener questions about the Switch on the show soon, so if you have anything you're dying to hear us talk about, then please do send those in. Colin at Gamnesia.com, C-O-L-I-N-G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A. We'd love to hear them, however wacky or down-to-earth you want to be, so please do write in. Um, and we don't get a lot of listener questions, so you got a good chance of getting answered. So with all the housekeeping said and done, let's slide off into Dreamland. one and all to Dreamland, a segment where we share our hopes and dreams. The Nintendo Switch has given us a ton of new topics to whimsy and wonder about, so you'll probably be seeing more of this segment in the coming weeks, but right now, the game on our plate is Mario Kart Switch, or 9, or 8.5, or Infinite, or whatever you want to call it. Um, a long time ago, we held a discussion on our most wanted characters courses and Nintendo crossover content for the future of Mario Kart, so we'll try to avoid repeating ourselves too much. But if you want to get even deeper into our Mario Kart wishes, you can catch up on those discussions on our YouTube channel, Gamnesia TV. Um, Mario Kart Switch! Anyone have any strong things they want to start off with? So, just from the little bit of footage we've seen, I was so excited that you can hold two items. Because that's, that's a feature I missed from Mario Kart 7. You know, I, I played just mm -hmm. hours and hours, probably close to 100 hours of Mario Kart 7 on 3DS. Really? And Mario Kart 8 has been fantastic on Wii U, but the lack of uh, holding two items at once was a little bit of a downside to me. Uh, yeah. So just seeing that that's already something that, you know, assuming this is a real game and not some tech demo footage, that already has me uh, excited. This is Dreamland, Ben. You gotta share your wildest ideas. Alright, so, uh, some ideas I had. In addition to the fact that this new one, I'm assuming it's gonna be an updated version of Mario Kart 8, not Mario Kart 9 proper. Okay, yeah, uh, so I think so too. I think it should include all DLC from the Wii U version at launch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I think they should continue to add in more DLC, and I really think they should capitalize on the the Nintendo Switch launch window games and include stages based off of them. So a Ooh. Breath of the Wild stage, a stage from the new 3D Mario. If they're doing a Splatoon uh, re-release with extra stages, then they should include one of those as yeah, well. Yeah, I would love Splatoon crossover. Because uh, Mario Kart 8 just is sold phenomenally considering how poorly Wii U sold. So assuming that Nintendo Switch's version of Mario Kart is also a big hit, I think that's a, a great way to both give us exciting stages that sort of expand it into more of a Nintendo cart, while also drawing uh, people's interest towards some of these other launch window titles and helping Nintendo move some more software. Yeah, agreed. That'd be really great. And even if we're not looking too much outside of uh, the Mario franchise, we've seen already from the Mario game they showed that the content looks very different than the content we've seen from past Mario games. It's this weird, like, mm -hmm. Wild West, maybe Mexico type mm -hmm. of environment. And we've even seen some NPCs that look different. And so I right. wonder if there's going to be a big opportunity to capitalize on, you know, new Mario content, which is something we haven't seen Mario Kart have the chance to really do in a long time. 
Yeah, I have very similar comments. I got a little bit of a framework I need to set up first for it. Um, just a general sort of baseline explanation of what I sort of imagine Mario Kart on the Switch should be or like will be is basically I want it to be everything from Mario Kart 8 plus four new cups, a couple new characters, yes. a real battle mode, yeah, uh, and then a few other tweaks to like UI and stuff. And then I agree with Ben uh, about the new DLC plan. So that's like the baseline for what I'm expecting this package and these these different like content offerings to be. Um, and in those characters, they gotta get in Toadsworth, Egad, Bowser Jr., Diddy, Dixie, Fawful, Petey, Gino, lots of characters. They got a lot of options. K Mac. Anyway. Uh, um, and then in those cups, there'd be eight new courses, eight retro courses. I think the new courses, yeah, should be based on a lot of, like, in-universe Mario stuff. Exactly like the, the new Mario Switch game and stuff like the Bean Bean Kingdom and, like... Twilight Town from Paper Mario could be really cool. Like, there's yeah. a lot of creative Expand potential. Expand to more of those sort of uh, spin-off games. Yeah, there's a lot of untapped creative potential in making courses based on the wider Mario universe rather than just going for stuff like Donut Plains or completely original Electrodome without any middle ground, you know? Yeah. I think it'd be kind of cool to see uh, Paper Mario not only represented in stages but also as a playable character. Yeah, I think Paper Mario would be really cool. Uh, I guess sort of following off from that, as for the retro courses, I just gotta throw out there, there are some, some that they've gotta do. They need to bring back Wario Coliseum, cause that is like the best Mario Kart stage ever. Um, Sky Garden, which is gonna be gorgeous in HD, and the music is amazing. Uh, Waluigi Pinball, that's a given, another just One of my amazing stage. Mushroom Bridge from Double Dash. Um, and then, oh, Shy Guy Bazaar from Mario Kart 7. That was a pretty decent level. Yeah, and I like the aesthetic a lot of it, too. I love that they borrowed a lot. That was a, one of the stages that I think did really well recently, um, that idea of borrowing from other Mario games. Because if you look into the details of that course, there's a lot of stuff from Mario 2 that doesn't really get a shout-out very often from the Mario mm-hmm. games. So yep. um, seeing that remade would be nice. And from the GBA, Luigi Circuit and Sunset Wilds. Yep, can't argue with that. Um, I also would like to see them mine a lot more from Mario 64 because, or Mario Kart 64 because mm. that's a game that's kind of difficult to go back to nowadays. Yeah, I feel like they've done that a lot with, with retro courses throughout the years. I was actually like thinking of what other 64 stages are left, and I was, I was c- kind of surprised. I thought there would be more. There aren't a lot that they haven't done. Yeah. But, I mean, Mario Kart 8 obviously offers all the the anti-grab mechanics, so you can really reimagine classic stages and put a whole new twist on them, too. Yeah, and plus, just the graphics make everything kind of pop in a different way than the past retro courses have. I I remember I always felt like the the 64 retro courses, once they have the new graphics on them, they feel a little bland to me. Like, they they feel blander than my memory uh, sort of would convince me that a 64 course should be. But Mm -hmm. with the anti-grav, that, like, there's actually a ton of really cool potential. I was just thinking of making, um, I forget what it's called, but it's the pier level with the cheap sheep and stuff. Banshee Boardwalk? Yes, Banshee Boardwalk. That can be really cool, making the dock, like, break up and, like, you're flying around on, like, all this these shattered pieces of wood and everything like i don't know i think that could be so cool mm-hmm. um one thing i'd like to see them try with the new courses is do a little bit of sort of in-course storytelling with the way the courses are constructed yeah. because one thing i really liked about uh there's a different racing game uh, sonic and all-stars racing transformed is you could follow sort of the story of some of the games and uh the tracks that you 
Yeah, it was song. so cool. And they haven't really done anything like that in Mario Kart. There have been some stages where this the the courses will change a little bit as you uh, go through the various laps, but no like story progression really i feel like it it, that's interesting you say that because i feel like there have been stages that have some sort of story progression like waluigi pinball is a very clear like you launch up and like you follow sort of like the journey of the ball on its way down the various like pinball sorts of mechanics Mm -hmm. um but it's not an in-universe mario story right it's not something that calls back to a game so that's really like they, they do that storytelling sometimes um and they can do it well but I agree. I'd like to see more of it, and I'd like to see it call back to actual Mario content. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So another thing that I think would be a very simple touch, and I I imagine they'll do this, is just uh, download play when you're playing with the portable unit on the go. Oh, I think yeah. that's yep, that's an absolute sure. must. Being able to take your take your Mario Kart Eight game out of the living room, you know, anywhere you want in the world, and then be like, "Hey, you haven't played this before. Try it out if you've got a Nintendo Switch." I think that's it's a no brainer to me that they they need to for as many games as possible where uh, multiplayer is going to be a big component. They need to have download play as a way of sort of word of mouth advertising, getting getting your games out there. Isn't that what the second controller's for? I mean, I agree with you. They need to have download play but i'm i'm worried well sometimes sometimes you won't be in an environment where that's feasible yeah that's true and that's only two players so yeah i don't think it'd be comfortable to try to do more than yeah, two that's players true, on the screen a lot of the, their local multiplayer games on ds and everything are four players anyway All right so yeah that's that's true that's a good point speaking of the joy cons though one thing that it brought to mind for me was uh double dash mode because you've got yeah. you know two yeah. halves of a controller and you that two players playing on the same screen and they can you know tag team it like they do in double dash yeah um, i'd love that i don't i don't think that that's that's if anyone wants to get your hopes up for that uh, i think you'll be kind of disappointed hey but this is dreamland it's all about getting your hopes yeah, up it is it is i agree and the it's thing the other thing that made dreamy. me think of that too was the fact that they brought back the two item slots because yeah. it's it's Mm-hmm. They didn't need to do that. Uh, Mario Kart 8, I thought, I mean, a lot of people complained, but I thought it was perfectly fine with just the one item slot. Uh, added some balancing mechanics that weren't there before. At um, the same time, wouldn't the two item slots kind of mean that they're not doing that because one player has access to both items? Well, yes, but that means that they could easily layer the whole player switching on top of that new framework for items. That's true, actually. Yeah, that's also true. Nice. Yeah, I am with you on double dash mode. Uh, the only other little thing I really had was, and this this is another thing that I think is kind of a no-brainer, but it's not something they've really shown off yet in the Nintendo Switch marketing, and that's uh, mm-hmm. gyroscope controls when you're playing on the go with just yeah. the portable unit. I think that's, that's oh, a must-have. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Yep. To add to that, they got to put in automatic drifting. That's another must-have if they want to attract the casual audience back because nobody... Nope, noobs can get good. No, they cannot. That's the <laughs> I whole know point. they can. <laughs> I have tried way too many times to get people on board manual <laughs> drifting, and it does not work. They need automatic back. Yep. Um... And I do think they should add some kind of like drift boost, which was wasn't present in Mario Kart Wii, so that it's not too much of a disadvantage. Because if you're really good at the manual yeah. boosting, it's still way better than automatic. And yeah, that's no, we definitely balanced that skill gap a lot better, and and I think that's why it's at least when I play Mario Kart with people who aren't usually gamers, we usually break out Mario Kart Wii mm-hmm. to this day. So. Um, the other thing I really want them to do if they're going to make this a local multiplayer success is 
a really good battle mode yeah. and don't even balance it for four players. Make a really good two-player battle mode. Yeah. Go back to the Super Mario Kart days. Two-player battle mode, that is going to be a huge selling point for the Switch's like dual Joy-Con setup. Mm. And they really need to make sure that they nail the battle mode so that you can have lots of local, local multiplayer competitive fun and it'll still keep you entertained on the go with just two people if you don't want to do a Grand Prix. Yep. Oh, a quick addition to the courses. In addition to the new cups uh, with remade retro courses and brand new stuff, they got to do a rainbow cup. Compile every rainbow road into one oh, cup, yeah. remake all the old ones, and make it a whole journey. Like, do you guys remember how Double Dash had that uh, all cup tour? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it started with Luigi Circuit and ended with Rainbow Road, but everything in between was shuffled? That's yeah. what they got to do. Rainbow cups. Start with Super Nintendo, end with... I guess a new one because Mario Kart 8 is garbage. <laughs> but, but, and then whatever they do, start in the beginning, lock it in, and then shuffle all the other rainbow roads around in it. And that's going to be like your journey through, through all the rainbow roads. That's, I need this to happen. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I was really surprised um, when that didn't happen with the DLC uh, packs. Really? But we got, actually, I thought we'd totally get a rainbow cup uh, out of I it. I was surprised but... we got two more rainbow roads, but not a rainbow but cup. But not a rainbow I wasn't, cup. I wasn't yeah. surprised we didn't get a rainbow cup. But, uh, yeah, a new game is a good opportunity to do that to do that really well. And um, another just sort of easy feature. Obviously, Mario Kart 8 already has all this custom kart stuff going on, so they can't take it away. What they need to do with it, I think, is instead make it accessible through, like, a little mode called, like, the cart shop or something. And you customize the parts to build cars, and then you save them as presets that you can select in the multiplayer, like, racing menu. So everyone chooses their character, and everyone chooses a car rather than having to check all the stats and build the car and, like, figure everything out, and you're not sure, and you're indecisive. Some people, like, don't understand what building a car even means or why you choose different stuff. And then can't play because and they don't know how why they can't play because they chose car parts that they hate but they think look cool and they have no idea and it's just it's so messy they gotta make a cart shop that's just clean and easy and let people choose the presets on the multiplayer screens i like the idea of presets but i i do think you should still have the option to customize in multiplayer oh yeah yeah Yeah, i think smash does it really well where like you can like uh i i think of it kind of like uh building a custom fighter when you turn custom stuff on and it's like um You've got the presets, but then you can also like choose the question mark and mm-hmm. uh, go just quickly l- throw some stuff together. And to add to yeah. that, Nintendo could sort of do uh, recommended carts for each course. Like you can select if you're uh, like Ooh. a beginner, intermediate, or advanced player, and then it could give you a cart recommendation per cor- uh, for for each course. That could be cool. Yeah, I like that. Huh. Last couple comments. I think they gotta they gotta put in character skins. There's no way Definitely. to justify having five Marios in the roster. <laughs> they need to just make it character skins. Yeah, agreed. Um, Even the babies should be character skins. I don't. I don't agree about the babies because they. They. I feel like first of all, they really need light characters, and I, I think it'd be hard to justify keeping the babies like medium weight as character skins. I guess. So yeah. I see it more like stuff like Metal Mario, which I mean, maybe he could be made out of aluminum and still be medium <laughs> weight. Like they've never specified I mean, this. It'd be fine, so. I think, if they had alt weight 
faults for the characters and not just... Yeah, maybe. I feel like they, especially with Mario Kart, they're very concerned about having, like, a clean... Yeah. Clean character selection screen, and then a lot of the other stuff, like the carts, isn't all that clean. Um, but I don't know that they'd want to do that at all. I guess you're and right. I feel like Mario and Baby Mario I'm okay with. Sure. Mario, Baby Mario, Metal Mario, Raccoon Mario, and then Cat Mario. Like, sure. No. Um, but then just go harder on the skins. Do stuff like Smash Bros. has, like, the NES Open outfit, like, recolors, really cool. Um, and full costumes, like, let Wario wear the biker costume. Let Donkey Kong wear, like, his boxing outfit from DK64. Like, there's so much cool stuff you can do with skins, and you can make some of that, like, DLC, like a lot of other companies do. And I think that would just be... I think that would be great, because I would love to see some new costumes. And, um... As for the DLC plan, I think... I don't want to get into it because we've basically explained a lot of this in those other episodes uh, I was mentioning at the beginning of the show. But through the DLC plan, I think they should get really serious about testing the waters for making Nintendo Kart a real yes. thing. And make the DLC... So so make the eight new courses and eight retro courses that they put in the base of this new Switch game. Make all of those Mario Kart hardcore like you're sticking with Mario and then make all the DLC every single course of it every single character make that a crossover so we get like Kirby Olimar maybe Samus would be cool yes. we get like an R-Wing cart and go through different courses through different Nintendo universes and if that does well think about maybe making a new game to coexist alongside Mario Kart and it'll be Nintendo Kart Double Smash and that's how they get the Double Dash mechanic back and it'll be awesome <laughs> and we talked about this before and it's going to be now great. we're really in Best Dreamland territory that's the point <laughs> All right, well, it sounds like that's about it for Mario Kart. Um, I rambled on for a while, so we are going to go to the tea table to talk about the Virtual Console. Let's head on over. Here we are at the tea table, the show's classic discussion segment where we share our long-form thoughts on a specific subject, and this week we've got a big subject on our hands. How should Nintendo handle the Virtual Console? and even just the general idea of re-releasing their back catalog on Nintendo Switch. How should they do it? Does anyone want to start us off? So the absolute number one thing is uh, if you're going to sell to families and if this thing's going to be portable, you're probably going to want people to be able to buy more than one Switch, and you're probably going to want them to be able to install their games on yeah. more than one Switch. Mm. So yeah. allow us to have some kind of family account or something where we can share virtual console games with our family members. That's I am 100% with you. Another thing I think they need to make really immediately and really, really loudly clear, they need to push VC sort of to the front of nintendo switch's identity as a product they need to send the clear message that this system is for all nintendo games not just switch games yeah. and to do that they need to hit it out of the gate by having every virtual console game that's currently available on wii u and 3ds available on the switch on day one yep. and they need to let current owners transfer their purchases up from 3ds and from wii u uh, and ideally save data, too, if possible, because that would really help with consumer loyalty. Um, but they need to be able to transfer all of those purchases up to the Nintendo Switch for free. They need this consumer loyalty. These are basic programs that all of the other companies have done at this point, and Nintendo's back catalog is their greatest resource. Yeah. They are the ones who have the most to benefit from this model, from this plan, this way of interacting with their consumers, and they have the most to lose by doing that wrong. And yeah. I don't want to see them keep doing it wrong. Yeah. 
And I'd say, at the very least, they should be carrying over NES, Super Nintendo, and Game Boy Advance. Very least. And Nintendo 64. I disagree, but we can discuss that later. Okay. Yeah, so Colin, your, your little opening rant there is exactly what I had written down as well. <laughs> Just, like, they, it's, it's pivotal, the, pivotal that they, uh, they base this on accounts, not piece of hardware. If yeah. you have a Nintendo, a Nintendo account, uh, if you have a Nintendo account that you've bought something digitally on, you need to be able to transfer that to Switch. Like, that's, that's just going to be crucial. Um, and so one thing I've been kind of thinking about, uh, the Pokemon company, I don't remember which person it was exactly, uh, maybe Junichi Masuda, said that they weren't actively considering releasing gold, silver, and crystal on virtual console like they did red, blue, and yellow. <laughs> uh, so what I would like to see happen is inevitably at some point Pokemon Go is going to do an update that adds in Gen 2, and I think Nintendo should time the virtual console release of Gen 2 at the exact same time and capitalize on that hype, or maybe like oh, a week later. That's a great idea. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I mean, okay. we saw after Pokemon Go launched, uh, Pokemon 3DS sales spiked, yeah. and actual 3DS hardware sales spiked as well. So I think if you launch uh, Gold, Silver, and Crystal on Nintendo Switch right after Pokemon Go gets a Gen 2 update, you're going to get a lot of people interested in that system. Yeah, yep. nice. So I know we're not in Dreamland anymore, but if we want to take it even further, they could make Pokemon Go also a good game. <laughs> <laughs> That is Dreamland. Um, so uh, another another sort of dream scenario of mine is GameCube games on Virtual Console. Yes! Yep. Yeah, and use the GameCube um, adapter for yeah. all Virtual Console games, not just GameCube. Absolutely. Because they need to use that product. It's a great product. I'm sure they're going to keep making it. The GameCube controller is amazing, and it works great for stuff like Ocarina of Time anyway, so being able to use it on your back catalog would be really cool. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of thinking about GameCube games they could possibly remake, but and they've done a few, you know, like Twilight Princess and Wind Waker, but for the most part, I think a lot of those games would, would be fine just getting re-released as a $15, $20 virtual console experience. Yeah, I... And not only that, but uh, Alex was mentioning that Nintendo has a lot of games in their back catalog that they can just pull out on cartridges and ah. release them for the Switch yeah. mm. and release them as sort of like classic edition type things. The gaming market is getting to a point where people are really more interested in the games I think they're playing than the fact that they're the newest thing. If you look at stuff like the Steam storefront, stuff like Sonic Adventure 2 Battle is placed alongside stuff like Firewatch and Overwatch and stuff like, you know, Alex Kidd remake mastered there are all these weird kinds of wacky styles and ages of games available on digital storefronts these days and i think that the success of those kinds of storefronts can actually carry over into the physical world i think that they sort of need to look at the trends on the digital play space and and make the connection that this is just the way that people are changing how they play games now we don't need to distinguish what's going on with digital re-releases and physical releases people just want these games yep. and so a lot of gamecube games i think are prime contenders like you said ben not only to get released for 15 dollars on the virtual console but to be put out for 15 dollars at retail yeah like how cool would it be to see mario kart switch and then right next to it on the shelf you get mario kart double dash like with a little red banner across it like yeah they can do that with melee that's how they bring that back and maybe even give it some sort of online connectivity like there's so much potential i think for just porting these games over and calling them switch games yeah and we're even seeing uh, GameStop is now supporting some indie games. They're they're selling physical indie games in their stores and working with developers yeah. to bring more there. So the idea of 
selling a $10, $15 game in store. Isn't that bizarre? It's, it's really happening already. Absolutely. And I think that they can make some sort of nice interface presentation in, like, so, so say they release GameCube games on NX cartridges, for example, or NS cartridges. I still am not used to this. Right. Say they make GameCube games available on NS cartridges. Uh, they can have some sort of, like, a cute little border around the widescreen like they would have on the Game Boy Player, the Super Game Boy, and stuff like that. Um, or when you would play the N64 transfer pack for, you know, playing Pokemon and Pokemon Stadium. Um, cute little borders and stuff like that to make it clear that this is a little bit of a throwback, like you're not getting a perfectly new game, but mm -hmm. there's it's charming. It's something you still want. It's a nice experience nonetheless, and there's no reason that a game's 10-year age should preclude you from enjoying it in like a modern presentational way. You don't need all these ugly black boxes around the screen and stuff. Yep. Um, and sort of the unspoken thing is people love owning games on cartridges. And these aren't yeah. technically cartridges, but they're close enough that I think people will, will sort of – they'll feel the same way to people. And on top yep. of that, um, it's been like 10 years since Nintendo's reissued, like, for example, NES games in a physical form where they have mm -hmm. the old uh, box art logo stuff on the front of the box. Like, that's one problem I had with the virtual console was it was always the title screens of the games were the icons for the games when really it should be oh. the, the, the covers of the games. That's Yeah, it should. That's yeah. what people remember having on, them, are there, on their shelves. So Yeah, you're really right about that. Like, this, it's a really um, good opportunity, especially coming on the heels of the NES Classic Edition, just to... to reignite people's love for owning and uh having these games on their shelves yeah i completely agree with that um one of the hurdles i see in that kind of a situation is they can't really release a game like super mario brothers on an ns cart alone like they're gonna need to do something like the super mario bros collection yeah i agree in order for physical carts like those to do well and the problem there is, you know, it would be so cool to have a physical Switch collection of Super Mario Bros., Super Mario yeah. Bros. 3, Mario World, Mario 64, Mario Land even could be cool. But if, you know, those are all wrapped up into one collection cart, then that's what's on your shelf. You've got yeah, the All-Stars right. 2, not Super Mario and Mario 3 and Mario 64. Yeah. So I hope they can find some way to skirt that line really well because... Those are both really fantastic scenarios, but they kind of conflict with each other a little bit. Well, it's hard to say because it was just it was just ten years ago that Nintendo was releasing just raw NES classics on the Game Boy Advance, and it was just a, a standalone right, game. Right, and that per didn't do package. well at all, though. They did right. They did fine. Did they? Given okay. that they were very low budget, and these things don't need to how sell much, a ton. How much did they cost? I don't remember. Uh, that. I think it was like twenty bucks, maybe really? maybe okay. less. I thought they cost full retail price. I don't think so. But my memory was probably like they a weren't like super big system sellers. They didn't sell like a million copies each, but they sold like modestly well, like like two hundred thousand okay. copies, two hundred fifty thousand, okay. which is pretty good for a just a basically okay. just a loyalty budget. Release. Yeah, I, I guess you and I might see this a little differently as I think they can use that sort of nostalgia and that the power of the, the retail space of old games to, in part, fuel the excitement for Switch and fuel people's willingness to buy the console and engage with Nintendo's new sort of presence in pop culture. Whereas if it is just something that they just want to, you know, put out and fill retail space with for whoever wants to buy it, then that, yeah, that can work totally fine. Yeah.
So, I think another way Nintendo can really leverage their vast library of classic games, like you were saying, uh, is by emulating PlayStation Now and offering a Nintendo Classics oh. streaming service. They can even call it Nintendo Classics or something along those lines where you pay... They gotta call it... What was that that, that radio system in Japan where you could play certain games at certain times? Oh, broadcast to television? It would be a throwback to that. That would be really cool. <laughs> yeah, so something can you pay, I, I don't know, $10, $15 a month for access to a, an ever-growing library of Nintendo Classic games, and then maybe mm-hmm as an added incentive uh, anytime you buy digitally you get a discount on a game or maybe anytime yep. you buy digitally uh, you get it you can download it a day early Nintendo will do a digital release a little early for their subscribers nice. yeah and they yep. I think they need to do lots of promotions for retro titles mm-hmm. in their digital storefronts anyway like um, on the eShop and if they do this physical release sort of program I think there's good potential there but mostly I think they need to be distributing their digital content and their back catalog a lot more generously because these games are old and and their best purpose now is to use them to exhibit to people what Nintendo is because they're the best games on the planet and they are, at this point, unfortunately, not worth very much to many consumers. The value of games has gone way down and whether that's fair or not is a whole other discussion, but the point is, digitally, people expect to pay very little money for games. I think Nintendo has a great opportunity then not to say, well, we should just sell these games for $8 anyway because that's what they're worth. They can then they can say, we'll use these in a different way. We won't be giving them to people in exchange for money. We'll be giving them to people in exchange for their interest and their loyalty in our brand and their willingness and dedication to buying things repeatedly. So, you know, if you want to say to a 9-year-old, "Hey, if you buy a Samus Amiibo and scan it on your Nintendo Switch, you get Super Metroid." There you go. Yeah. I also like the idea, this is sort of similar, where you buy a Mario game for Switch and a brand new one, and you get a Mario virtual console game of your choice. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, do you guys remember when they had that launch event for, or not launch event, but like the digital release sort of schedule of the three Donkey Kong Country games on yeah, Wii U? Right. <clears throat> Those are the kinds of promotions that, that make stuff like Tropical Freeze, like, they can, they can really fuse together their current game plan and their retro catalog to synergize I hate that word but to synergize with each other and each help the other sell better um, and drive more interest that way and they can do stuff like uh, if they have physical cartridges like a Donkey Kong Country collection could be really cool to re-release alongside like a new Donkey Kong Country game and or you know pre-order bonuses for new games like oh there's so many I don't know about ways. pre-order bonuses but uh, I think more like remix titles t- uh, like NES remix but done a little better and they're timed out in releases like those Donkey Kong Country uh, games were so like SNES remix maybe N64 remix or maybe just like retro Mario remix and they remix a bunch of stuff from mario games in cool ways i think there's lots of little like collections and groups of ideas of kinds of games that they can organize into a lot of different of these remix titles um flash sales drastically improved my nintendo program because the one they have is garbage just lots of stuff to sort of drive consumer loyalty and give people your back catalog of games so that they know what to fall in love with when they're falling in love with nintendo yeah so I said uh, I said earlier that I don't think N64 should come over to Virtual Console, and I want to sort of clarify why that is. The main reason is because I think the Nintendo 64 control experience is sometimes good, but generally pretty miserable on Nintendo's modern controllers. Hmm. And 
I think they have a unique opportunity to pick the very sort of, they haven't been offering that many on N64 virtual console anyway. So take the very few that people really love and just remaster them outright. That's a good idea. Cause the graphics could be so much better. They could be widescreen. They could have better controls, uh, at least camera controls in particular, yeah. cause the C buttons are just miserable to try to use on a modern controller or to try to map to a modern controller. Uh, so Mario 64 is good. Uh, the Zelda games would be good. Uh, maybe wave race or some other games in sort of that, that category. Yeah, wave race is, great wave race is a is a prime contender for a collection where they package a couple of games mm-hmm. and and put it on one cart and then tell you hey here's wave race yep. play it yeah um because apparently blue storm on the gamecube was w- an amazing title um and i remember i never could figure out it wave race on the 64 but i remember like my cousin loved it and i remember hearing some stories of other people who like had a great time playing wave race so I feel like that's one of Nintendo's IP that can be used to to attract, I don't want to say a blue ocean, because it's not so much for mass market gamers, but certainly a different kind of gamer than has been paying attention to the Wii and Wii U. Well, it's a, it's a sort of a sports game that they haven't really been making a lot of... <laughs> Their In a own way, sports yeah. games. But I, I think the crowds that, that follow the, the biggest sports games like Madden, NBA, and FIFA, I and this is just in my experience, I haven't noticed them tending to follow the more chill, I guess, sports, mm-hmm. like wave racing and pilot wings, I guess, kind of falls into this category, but um, other stuff like stunt race games, like... Um, uh, Excite Truck and Excite Bots, like those kinds of things are really cool. It's a different kind of sports fan. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Like extreme sports almost, but in a very gamey way. And it's really just N64. It's not GameCube because GameCube games tend to be pretty easy to just modernize by making them look okay in HD and the controls can stay the yeah. same. Like it's N64 is sort of a black sheep in terms of bringing it into the modern era. I was going to say that's absolutely true because stuff like even even stuff like PlayStation can look okay not some games, but but many. Um, but really, the Super Nintendo, the Game Boy Advance, those are the kinds of games that still look pretty good in like an HD sort of setting, right? Um, because of the way their art was designed. But Nintendo sixty four was just this awkward transitional period. Like GameCubes look a little bit outdated, but N sixty four games really look like they 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 don't belong yeah, much right. elsewhere besides the N sixty four generation. Um so they are really prime contenders for remasters. Right. And we've seen with Ocarina of Time three D and Star Fox sixty four three D that they can be oh, modernized yeah, and, it, and it still feels not I wouldn't say authentic, but but it, the game doesn't have to change very much. It just has to be modernized. Yeah, and I, I, in general, I think that's something that Nintendo is a lot less privy to doing than they should be. Like, taking the example of Mario 64 still, I was thinking really recently, what, like, they remade this game so soon after it came out on the Nintendo 64 yeah. for DS. Right. They made the same game a really different experience. It was really different visually. So many of their games are such classic, such pure experiences um, that I'm surprised they don't redesign them in those little ways more and make them available for more consoles more often right like i'm surprised nothing's happened i cannot believe there's no mario galaxy hd right it's just, it's amazing and a lot and and n64 games are different than a lot of nintendo's other games that are kind of on weird hardware in that nothing really about the games requires them to be on weird hardware they just were on kind of weird hardware yeah, it's not like DS games where they have to like most. A lot of them have to be played with a touchscreen and be really kind of. They'd be a totally different game if you tried to make them without a touchscreen. Yeah, but N sixty four, it's just a weird button layout that can be fixed. Yep. Well, I think that about does it. It sounds like, unless anyone's got some final last thoughts. 
Metroid Prime Trilogy Remastered. Yes, please. Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> all, all control schemes, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I, I need motion control for that. I don't think I could do it on a Switch controller. Well, I mean, they could have classic Prime, they could have dual analog, and they could have motion. Do it all. So, everybody, thank you all so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo Week for today. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. We're really working hard to make this show great for you guys, so those iTunes reviews really mean a lot, and they also help a lot of listeners to discover the show. So if you haven't done that, please do. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, if you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to colinatgamnesia.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so it's a great way to get involved, especially if there's anything at all you want to know about Nintendo Switch, any of the games coming to it, any of the developers, any of our thoughts. It's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com, C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A, and at Colin McIsaac, C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. Alex, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Legend of Lex. And Ben, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Aramgard, E-R-I-M-G-A-R-D. If you guys cannot wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we did not discuss on this week's show. Although next week is a news block segment, so we will take care of it then. And you can join the Facebook group, the Nintendo Week Fun Club, to chat with us and other listeners about all things Nintendo. On our way out, please enjoy some outro music that I had not realized that I did not choose before writing the script... But you'll enjoy it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week. What's going on with digital re-release?